welcome to episode 109 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on March the 14th, 2021. My name is Eric, I'm the host of the show, based in southern Ontario, I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Alright, my name is Ian, I live on Vancouver Island, I'm a student in preparedness, target shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. And my name is Jeff. I'm based in Central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, soon soon to be ham radio operator, and my general home handyman. I was in emergency services for 32 years and witnessed firsthand how much people rely on someone else when things go bad, and I vowed not to be that guy. All right, if you want to help uh, support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy some swag. We've got the uh, Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch. You can get them at prepperpodcast.ca. All the proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. I agree with Jeff. I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. Yeah. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic he wants to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. So we've got some up and smoke content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, wood stove maintenance. Let's move into the news. All right. Uh, On some happy news for the economic uh, situation in Venezuela, they issued their one million Bolivar note. Uh, So that should solve all their problems, right? Um, Oh, of course. So one million Bolivars translates to 50 cents. So, in order if, to get a loaf of bread, it's going to cost you four million in local currency, um, or more. But um, yeah, so to say the hyperinflation is on well on the way there is kind of an understatement. But um, I, I couldn't believe it. Like 50, 50 cents for a million boulevards now, and it used to be like you know almost one to one with the U.S. dollar. Anyway, uh, uh-huh. on a completely unrelated note, you know, past performance is not an engaged future, future performance. But uh, Bank of Canada bond holdings uh, skyrocketed. Uh, Bloomberg.com says that uh, Canada's already pushing their bond holdings to the brink of the limits for the domestic bond market. And if you look at the chart that's in that article, it goes vertical from about 2020 onwards. So you can see where we're heading in the same direction as well. I wonder why it's vertical all of a sudden. Do so you think we're heading towards hyperinflation too? Well, they've already said modern monetary theory is what they call uh, money printing nowadays. They, they can't call it money printing. They have to call it quantitative easing or MMT. Uh, but they said their, their plan is to inflate their way out of the debt. Which sounds to me like hyperinflation. Right. But, I mean, that's hmm. the thing. is like as long as the bonds are near at or near zero, they figure inflation should take care of the debt long term, which is like insane on many levels. But, hmm. anyway, what do I know? Just a dude. Yeah. You're not that guy, though. <laughs> Well, that's it for me, I think. All right. So I've got an article here from CTV News, and it's in regards to uh, wood stove ashes blamed for uh, sparking a house fire in Muskoka Lakes. So figured that was uh, a timely news article for the uh, the episode this evening and a good reminder as to uh, why we should be maintaining our wood stoves and uh, fireplaces or really anything that burns uh, burns wood for heat. And sadly, it's not as uncommon as people think either. It's true. It happens quite often. It doesn't always hit the news, but uh, it's uh, it's around there quite often. Well, and I've got one out there. I mean, sooner or later somebody's going to. Yeah, I mean, sooner or later somebody's uh, going to say that uh, you know 
maintenance isn't that important to the stove and you know with the numbers out there certainly there's gonna be a fire right yeah true or people are just lazy at times right and don't yeah. want to do the maintenance or you know i'll save a couple bucks here i'll do the maintenance next year and well and it just all goes up well literally in smoke so i've got a bit of an unrelated one as well but bit towards the prepping uh, from CNNBC. Uh, basically, a lot of the uh, Eastern or, or European countries are suspending the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine because of uh, the blood clots that are popping up, shall we say, or forming. Um, of course, our Canadian government says, nope, nothing to see here. We're all good. Don't worry about it. So don't worry about it. You got free health care. It's okay. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the fact they got left in the cold for the vaccine queue, but uh, uh, I just kind of laughed at saying before the show that, you know, Switzerland or turned down this for, for general use. It wasn't approved in their eyes because it wasn't safe enough, and yet the very same day we turned around and ordered it because we were so far behind on, on uh, getting ours done. So, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Like I said on the, before the show, last I heard, we were number 55 in the world for actually vaccinating our people, so... Yeah, it's uh, yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm no expert in vaccines, and I, I don't know. It just that one worries me. But what do you do? Shall we move into what we done lately for preps? So for myself, the uh, the snow's starting to melt. So we uh, we started cleaning up the yard and uh, getting things as as ready as we can for the garden. We're starting to plan out the backyard because we've. Uh, We've backfilled a lot of it, so we're going to start building our fence. We've got somebody contracted to come and put the posts in for us because uh, I priced out renting all the equipment and the amount of time it was going to take and said, you know what, for the price this uh, this guy is quoting me to come and do it all, done. So the posts are going to go in uh, by someone that knows what they're doing. Then the rest of the fence I can just kind of mutter around with and figure out um, how I'm going to build it. And I suspect Jeff's going to come by and drink my beer while I build the fence. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yep, absolutely. And then... Uh, while I was doing that out in the yard, I, uh, I messed around with my uh, my ham antenna a little bit more, wanted it uh, up a little bit higher. Uh, yeah, it's down lower now. <laughs> so that, that didn't work out. <laughs> but hey, it still works. I just uh, yeah, took it out of the tree and was hoping to get it up uh, a little bit more, but didn't work out the way I was planning it. Which, hey, you know what? Sometimes happens. So at least it still works. It didn't fall uh, completely down. I'll uh, try again later. Did we lose Ian? I think we did, so I'll jump in. Uh, so I've, uh, believe it or not, yeah, actually started I mean, stacking my wood life. for next year already. Uh, I had some leftover from my my friend who gives me wood. I got it late in the fall, so I've cut it and split it. It's just sitting in my trailer over the winter, so I've started stacking that. I've been studying for the ham test and did a little bit of food prep, rotated some stock around. Nice. You're getting close to the end of that course, aren't you, for ham? Yeah, it's... It's, we don't have a class this Thursday and then I think there's three more and then we're done. So nice. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting close and it's, it's starting to make sense now that we're getting in, getting into the later stuff that all of the, the stuff he taught before that I was scratching my head on is starting to make sense now. So it all slowly comes together. So I, just, eventually... I just might, I just might end up passing. Who knows? Hey, you know what? And then after you learn it all, all you really need to know at the end of it is where the push to talk button is and how to program a repeater. But hey. Uh, are you back, Ian? Oh, nope. 
doesn't sound like it. Well, nope. if we get if we get Ian back, then we'll uh, we'll let him talk about what he's done, and that'll kill about a half hour of the show. So hopefully, he gets his bandwidth <laughs> back sooner than later. Let's uh, let's move into the main topic, shall we? So the uh, big thing we're talking about tonight is wood stove maintenance. It applies to really any wood burning appliance that you have um, in regards to the the maintenance we're going to be talking about here, uh, but specifically wood stoves. Uh, Mainly, why are you going to want a wood stove in your in your preps? Well, it's it's a backup or primary heat source, right? So some people will run them as a primary heat source in their homes. Some have them uh, in their cabins or hunt camps or fish camps or wherever you're you're going for uh, maybe an off grid location. Um, that's going to either be your primary or your ba- or your backup heat source. Uh, so they are. They're an expensive uh, piece of equipment to purchase and install, or, or can be, depending. You can find them cheap as well, but if you're buying new, from what I've seen, uh, it's, it's a large investment. So maintaining it is obviously important, and on top of that, uh, it's a safety thing, right? If Alan was here, he'd be jumping down my throat now about uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, and uh, he would be killing the other half hour of the show, which would get drag us out to about an hour, and then we'd say that the, uh, the show was done, that'd be the end of it, but... Uh, since he's not here, he's not going to he's not going to go on and on and on about uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. So I figured I'd take five minutes and just remind everybody to uh, install your carbon monoxide detectors and check your batteries twice a year. Are you back, Ian? And the ti- yeah, I think so. And the time zone just changed. Or time just changed, right? So it's time to do the batteries. And it is yep. time to do the batteries. Yep. Oh, and, and do the monoxide detectors too. Yeah, I I was a bad boy. I did not do it this week yet, but I'll get on that. Uh, oh no. <laughs> Am I able to go back to what I did in preps now? Yeah, you can go back. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, that'll Sorry give me time to go and get a refill. Yeah, we, yeah, we set aside uh, half hour for you. That's good. I uh, I feel bad now. I'm going to give you some editing work to do. But anyway, uh, as for that's myself, fun. let's see here. I did some brass prep uh, with the brass head picked up at the range a couple weeks ago. Did a interview with Mark Petroni again for Saga 960. That aired last Tuesday, so like five days ago. I uh, got myself a MEC, or MEC, depends on how you want to pronounce it, 600 Junior Shotgun Reloading Press on Gun Nuts uh, for a smoking deal, but it showed up covered in rust, so I spent a good couple days like grinding it down and repainting it and ordering parts that were missing and everything else, but still a good deal after it's all said and done. Um, the tree gods decided to leave me with uh, some fresh firewood, so they sent, sent a brand new hardwood tree over my fence, which... <laughs> Required some chainsaw work and a fencing fix, but I got a probably, I don't know, it's got to be 50 or 60 logs for the fire uh, of hardwood. So that was good. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I started collecting some uh, piping and some other stuff to get done. We're going to make a switch from 220 volt electric to uh, propane gas uh, cooking for the stove. So we're starting to collect all the materials up for that. We're going to do a change out this summer and then make it a little more off grid slash not dependent on electricity anyway um so that was good and then other than that just a little bit of house maintenance and that's pretty much it just mostly the fencing i think because i didn't want the dog to escape yeah it's a good yeah. reason for a fence that's why we're putting our fence in too yeah but that, no, that's pretty much it for me it was a uh, slack week so yeah that was only a couple of minutes oh, wow, we set aside right. a whole half, half hour for you yeah okay so where would we leave off with the main topic uh, so I touched on the fact that uh, it's either going to be used for uh, backup or primary heat source, and that uh, it's a it can be a large investment for uh, for preparedness, but one that could be necessary depending on your setup. Well, I think that like most preps too, it actually pays back over time, right? Because if you're saving yep. money on, on heating bills uh, by using it 
fairly regularly, um, it's going to pay for itself over time. And they do last well, anywhere from 10 to 25 years, depending on how good you take care of it, right? Oh, exactly. Oh, that's why we're talking about maintenance. My, uh, my, my, my stove that I have, I don't know if you can see the chimney behind me there. No, I got to move. But anyways, it's uh, when I first bought this house, it's, it's all electric. So electric baseboard, everything's electric. And uh, back in the late 90s, they were paying $140 a month equal billing for everything. So you figure that now would probably be somewhere I would guess in the three to four hundred dollar range, and I put the stove in. It cost me five grand back then. It, uh, like Eric says, if you take care of it, um, I've had it in for almost twenty years now. Never had an issue with it. Clean it properly. Use properly seasoned wood. Never had an issue, and uh, I'm paying right now. Uh, I'm paying one hundred and four dollars a month equal billing. That's pretty huh? good. That's considering good. Yeah. Considering with Hydro One's done with their power bills, and you'd have to pay like yep. I think it's almost a hundred bucks before you even start paying for actually wattage. That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah delivery is like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So uh, yeah, other than the, the backup cooking and light aspect too, like I mean, not just a heat source, but yeah, obviously you can get uh, mm-hmm. worst case, you're a tiny bit of light out of it. But um, I, I just want to clarify with people too. We're talking about wood stoves, meaning like not the old hearth fireplaces that are big rock, you know wonderful pieces that have like the open flue and everything else these are the more efficient ones with the closed front with the, the glass facing and everything else because i don't uh, think i don't think you're gonna be able to get those uh old style fireplaces I don't know installed if that, you can see my stove there or not let's see yep. here yeah yeah there you go yep. yeah one of those so exactly. uh, because the old fire And we lost them again. I think well, I think I know where he was going. Those old fireplaces, basically half of your heat was just going up the chimney. They weren't uh, that energy efficient. We had them back on the hobby farm. And yeah, it would pump out great heat, but half of it was going up the chimney. And so yeah, we've uh, got that problem with our fireplaces here. Yeah, and that's, and that's, I mean, that's part of the cost of the new stoves is the, um, the technology and the, 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 the way they recycle the, the smoke and the, the gas and reburn it and that's kind of what makes it a bit more expensive but it's also more fuel efficient and it doesn't pump out the smoke it used to so well especially if you want to uh, install one of the old style fireplaces now they want I think building codes require like sprinklers and all sorts of other like uh, fire retardant measures that you, it's yep. never going to happen right so yeah. no. uh, this is definitely the, the more sensible option I think uh you know, and they can be standalone like Jeff's there. You can actually put an insert in the old stone fireplace to make it a little more efficient. You can do all sorts of little tricks with it. So, anyway, um, I guess the first thing, first, when you're first taking possession of a house or when you install it, there has to be something done called a wet inspection. Yep. Uh, you guys uh, familiar? I didn't realize what wet stood for. Uh, <laughs> I just, everybody just calls it a wet inspection. I was like, and I was thinking like with one T, but actually, no, it's two T's. Uh, wood energy technology transfer and um they're actually like a non-profit group i believe yep and uh so yeah their job is to ensure fire safety with wood stoves and um yeah there's a website i threw in the show notes there and basically they'll come along and make sure that you've uh, either installed it or it's still currently installed according to safety standards and uh most insurance companies will want a wet inspection done on the house when you take possession of it or periodically they can just ask you out of the blue if you if you're using a wood stove in your house they will ask in order to recertify your fire insurance that you have a wet inspection done yep i had one done on my the two fireplaces here when we bought the house and same thing the insurance company wanted it and it was a smart idea when we bought the house to have it done and yep yeah 
Um, so I guess the big, uh, big thing we'll talk about tonight is creosote. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not just Mr. Creosote from Monty Python. That's no. dating myself, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. So creosote, obviously, a black uh, gunky buildup that's basically unburnt wood bits, for lack of a better term. Um, main cause of chimney fires. If Alan was here, we'd uh, we'd hear about it, I'm sure, or or Hughes. But yep. insert uh, tangent here about chimney <laughs> fires and uh, carbon monoxide poisoning again. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the one thing with creosote, yeah, it causes to be fires. It actually decreases the efficiency of your stove and everything else. So you want to minimize that or, or prevent the buildup of creosote on the inside of your yeah. exhaust stack and also the the top stack as well. So a couple things. I think Jeff already mentioned one of them is make sure you use seasoned wood versus the uh, the wet or new wood. Um, reason being is that uh, it, obviously the wet wood doesn't burn as efficiently and, and causes buildup. And same thing, it depends on what type of wood you're burning. The sappy spruce is going to suck and it's going to build up lots of creosote. Uh, nice, dry, you know, year-old aged hardwood, kind of the opposite. Won't leave much behind, right? And believe it or not, there is uh, a, a, a way to season your wood and do it properly. Um, don't just throw a big pile on the ground and cover it with a tarp and expect it to be dry in the fall. Um, you know, do it, do it properly, get it off the ground, get it in a stack where there's airflow with, you cover it, but you've got to allow airflow to, or it's, it's not going to dry. And like you say, if it's, if it's wet or the sappy spruce that you haven't let dry for a long time, you're, you're going to get that creosote build up. And it's pretty obvious if you've got, you know, especially on my stove, um, if for whatever reason I somehow end up getting some bad wood or something, it doesn't take long in that, that glass front on the door is black within like a couple hours. Bane Ironhead asks, how many yeah, stovepipes is legal to have glowing red before it's a problem? I'm like, well, technically you're probably burning off most of the creosote, so I suppose yeah. it's, it's not a problem at that point. Yeah. Fire hazard I'm, might be, but... I'm no lawyer, and I'm not uh, going to even attempt to give you any kind of legal advice, but I would suggest that all of them should be glowing all the time. Yeah, that's like, yeah. you're never going to be freeze to death, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Um... Well, if he's if he's talking about the glowing red hot, then he's overfired his uh, stove, and at that point, you're looking at you're looking at any creosote in there potentially catching fire. So, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's mentioned. Yeah, I think it's mentioned in there about a, a thermostat. I've got one on my my chimney stack, and kind of I've never had it glowing red hot. So, thank goodness. But it it doesn't take long, and it gets right up into the three four hundred degrees, no problem. Back to that, uh, I forgot to mention the tarp thing, Jeff, you mentioned about uh, drying out your wood. Like, you guys have seen that little uh, uh, survival trick where you're in the desert and you take a saran wrap and a rock and you let the sand evaporate water onto the, the saran wrap and it drips down into a pot in the middle and all that stuff. Have you seen that kind of thing in the Boy Scout manual or SAS survival manual, something <laughs> like that? Anyways, uh, the same thing happens here. So, of course, you cover the trees with, with a tarp and it's so humid here to begin with, but also the trees, they all evaporate off the moisture and it just collects on the tarp and then goes right back down so exactly <laughs> so yep. you gotta have airflow that's underneath it, that's exactly have, what happens yep. yeah so if you don't have the airflow like you have a tarp at an angle or something and if you don't have the airflow underneath it it's just gonna stay wet and mold up and get all punky and gross and be useless yep. yeah exactly so um yeah so the one thing to to indicate whether or not you're building up creosote basically is if you can see the smoke you're probably building up creosote so if it's burning white or if it's smoky gray or whatever um, the ideal is to look at the top of your stack out at the top of your house and as long as it's not minus 40 where you're going to have like frost anyway, but if it's a normal temperature, you should just see it clear, like uh, clear with heat kind of swirls and that's about it. And that means you're, you're burning most efficiently at that point. Yep. 
So yeah, uh, prevention of creosote. Uh, I think you mentioned it last week too, Jeff. Uh, just run it hot for an hour, like uh, relatively hot, and then uh, then you can reduce it down because once you got the stack heated up and to a point where it won't collect up stuff, you can reduce it down to your kind of cruising level, depending on how yep. cold it is outside. Yeah, you've got to you've got to get it up to temperature definitely, or it if you turn it down to what you call cruising level there, you you turn the damper down and it, and it lowers the flame. It's just gonna if it's if it's not if it's not warm enough, it's gonna it's gonna crease up. And it won't, and it probably won't burn either, because there's not enough uh, flow of the of the the air going up the warm chimney. Warm air rises; it's not hot enough. The air doesn't rise fast enough, and you'll see a build up of smoke in your chimney and and in your inside your fireplace. Yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned the temperature gauge, so yeah, that's usually a good indication of whether you're not you're at a right burning temperature. Um, that definitely helps, and you put it right on the stack. Uh, double wall is not as accurate, of course, but uh, you can figure out what works temperature-wise, what it indicates versus what you should be at. Um, single wall is what it's, I think it's designed for, the side of the fireplace. Yeah. But yeah, it won't, it won't work on a on a double wall because there's too much insulation between your yeah. inner stack and your outer wall, and you won't get an accurate temperature at all. So, and I think new ones they need to have double stack in, uh, stove pipes on them anyways, don't they? I think that's kind of. Um, I don't know. Mine's a, mine's a single up to the uh, the junction in the roof, and then yeah. from the junction in the roof going up is a double. Oh, okay, well, there so. you go. Um, and, it's, yeah. and it's the code, so. So other than that, uh, I was going to mention that they leave like one inch of ash at the bottom uh, with a lot of these reburner stoves because uh, they basically say if you, if you vacuum it dry every time, it actually it's less efficient. I don't know. It <laughs> creates a little bit of insulative layer and a little airspace or something, I guess. Good so, to know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Another sign of creosote is if you have window deposits. So if you have the black junk on the front of your window, um, yep. that is a problem. So don't use Windex to clean it off. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> so, uh, glass and masonry cleaner. There's actually like go to your fireplace store. You can actually get uh, specific stuff to clean your glass, and it actually is just like easy off oven foam. So you just basically wait hmm. till it's cool down one day, spray it down, wipes right off. It's awesome. But it is. Yeah, that's that's the big key. Let it cool down. Yeah. Don't just open it after you've had a hot fire and spray it on there. It's not going to go well. Ask me how I know. <laughs> even even if it's designed to be the glass spray, it's not going to go well. Yeah. So uh, this is the first time we had a full time uh, uh, wood stove. So yeah, lessons learned. Same thing with that little. Uh, it looks like asbestos, but it's not. But that little uh, curtain of, of uh, fabric around the, the edge of the window uh, where it creates a seal for the fireplace. Uh, Got to make sure that's in decent shape too. If it's it's. Yep got too much of an air leaker you're asking for problems too so and mm -hmm. let's see here other than that uh if you're going to paint your chimney you make sure you use high heat high heat paint for the chimney because you don't want to have that stuff flaking off and burning it smells really bad ask me how i know oh, probably not good for you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um same thing spare fire bricks so uh never hurts to have these hand lying around because these are about what four or five bucks a piece and uh, if one gets cracked because you throw it in a piece of wood with too much enthusiasm or maybe temperature changes or whatever, uh, replace the ones that are cracked. It makes for a more even heat and longer life for the fireplace. And fire insurance. Make sure your house has it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just a thought. Um, smoke detectors we talked about. Make sure you have them. Um, see here. You said, Jeff, you last week, I think you mentioned that you clean yours twice a year? Um, at least, yep. Okay. That's good. That's very keen. I only do it once a year, but I mean, we don't have Brady any buildup, so it's not really much point. I us. I don't really either, but I'm just I just it's not that hard to do. It's pretty easy, and why take the chance? 
That's my yeah, that's yeah. my thing. I, I don't I don't get much I don't get much uh, build up in it either. But I'm just not going to take that chance. Yeah, no, totally. I, I get that. So when it comes time, actually, I just got to put down my headset for one second. I got to grab my little tool. I forgot to grab it here. Uh, we're we're talking about uh, wood, and now Ian is going to grab a tool. I don't know if we should be concerned. Should we blank his screen out now or later? I'm not sure. Well, I said I was going to grab my tool. I didn't say I was gonna, I didn't say I was going to grab my BBC like I did before. So <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So show and tell show. Uh, so yeah, go. these are little lengths of of rod. Say so I'm grabbing my rod as we speak. So <laughs> grabbing your rod, talking about wood. Grabbing yeah, talking about wood. Playing my playing with my tools, and so uh, these come in about five foot sections, and they have little threaded ends on them, uh, kind of easy to see there, and they extend. They're highly flexible. They're like the tent poles, like that uh, you know you construct your tent with. And at the very end of it, this goes on. So this yeah. is the the chimney brush, and they come in various sizes depending on the width of your chimney pipe. Ideal is to match them up. Preferably. That would make sense. Yeah. That would make the most sense. Yeah. Uh, some guys actually have a, a drill attachment. They can actually spin their yep. drill and will actually spin the thing in there. Um, I was not so fortunate this year. But anyway, uh, rule of thumb, try and get the, the nylon one versus the steel one because the steel one will actually put scoring in your stacks, create rust, and then you've got bigger maintenance issues. Um, so the hard plastic ones actually are kind of the better option as far as I'm concerned anyway because I live in the rust belt. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I have exactly the same thing, and I have the, I have the hard plastic. Yeah, so and once it, you... Uh, and it works really well. Yeah, so once you remove the top plate of your uh, your chimney and uh, uh, also the top plate in the wood stove itself, there's like a little pin in the very back. Pull that pin, and then usually the the top plate will come right out. And then you're actually because normally if you look in your wood stove, it's just got like a, a solid top, which is really unusual. Um, you have to pull that thing out before you start scrubbing it. And then uh, once you got the top off, which usually will have a lot of collection of creosote on it, um, get that brush all the way down, and you'll notice that just at the top of the chimney and just at the bottom of the chimney is usually where you're gonna see the most. And then it'll collect up in your wood stove, hopefully without the door open, and uh, they can vacuum it out afterwards. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much it. It only takes what 15, 20 minutes really to get it done once it's all set up. Yeah, about that. Yep. Yeah, yep. It's not not that bad. Um, I usually with that the actual cap on the chimney, I tend to repaint that just to make sure because uh, sometimes you'll notice that there's once you scrub off the crease, there's scratches there as well. Just you know, give it a little me. And yep. should that's uh, once that's done, you've got a great backup heat source for another year. Yeah, and and, a... and and not just a backup piece. I mean, there's there's lots of other things you can do with the chimney that or the uh, the stove. That we don't need to get into, but things like um, I've been looking at buying one, just a, a small thermoelectric generator that runs the the difference, of course, between the the hot and the cold. And it's on a magnetic plate, and you just stick it on the top of your stove. It's 45 watts. Your stove's running, and you can you can easily charge your your laptops, your your phones, whatever. It's designed to sit on the stove. That's what it's designed for. It's a place in Vaughn, I believe, that makes them. And you can, you, they can go all the way up to 100 watts, but they're water-cooled, so I'm not touching that. So Yeah. Well, it's kind, of like a, well it's kind of like a biolite, same, same principle, right? Turning yep. heat into yep. electricity. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And um, so, yeah, why not? But, uh, oh, Brendan asked a question here. Do we have any experience with masonry heaters and or rocket stoves? Uh, masonry heaters are awesome, but they're about Forty thousand dollars, and there's only two companies Ooh. in Canada that actually do it. Um, they're actually it's actually like a Red Seal trade, or like a, a, you have to be a journeyman masonry heater guy to actually do that and have it approved by insurance in Canada. So it's actually a big deal. Like over in Russia, it's like dime a dozen; everybody does them. 
but uh, not here. And uh, rocket stove, yeah, unfortunately. Let's go. Well, actually, not it again. sure your house if you have oh. rocket stove. So, oh, my back. Your pi- yeah, your pigeons do not want to fly tonight. No, I hear you, but insurance companies won't touch you with you have a rocket stove in yeah. your house, so yeah. that's nope. a problem. And uh, that's pretty much all I had. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I've got a couple of points here. Um, yeah, we've, we've touched on the creosote thing. Um, it's you know regular inspections. They're going to help reduce the risk of have, uh, having a house fire, right? That's that's kind of the whole point of doing the maintenance thing, maintaining the of wood stove, making sure that everything's running properly is always going to make sure the efficiency is running well. You're you're getting the most bang out of your buck for the wood that you're burning. Um, you're not going to burn your house down, which is nice. Uh, and we've we've touched on uh, how to clean it with the you know a, a brush head, extendable rods. Uh, messy but doable. It can be done by yourself. You, you can do it on your own. Uh, first time we had our fireplaces cleaned out, we had a professional come out. Um, I, I had seen, I'd YouTubed a little bit. I kind of knew how to do it, but I wanted to see how a professional did it first. Uh, and then I just struck up a conversation with them when they were here. Just talked to them about it, talked to them about what I need to know about the fireplace, how it operated, how to clean it. And it's amazing what you can learn from just striking up a conversation with someone that does this day in and day out. They obviously, well, they should like it if it's what they're doing. Um, they, they have an interest in it. They know what they're doing. and Or at least you hope when you hire them that they know what they're doing. And I just talked to them. And next thing I know, I've got a whole list of how to how to operate my fireplace efficiently, how to clean it properly, and and how to maintain it myself, which I guess isn't the best for business, but you know, well, it worked out. There's no shortage of business for these guys. Like, yeah, uh, we used to have a girl that showed up in a top hat and everything else, and she was like, she was called oh, herself geez. like she called herself the chimney sweep and everything else, and she was full, full on Mary Poppins about it, and. Uh-huh. Uh, she was having trouble with a maintaining employees because nobody wanted to do the dirty job, but B yep. there's just so much work out there. She was actually hoping people would do it themselves, and uh, hmm. she ended up just giving up. She just was overwhelmed, and uh, oh. it was too bad. So, but yeah, that was myself a, a couple of years. That was a father son team that came out uh, to do ours and. The father was just kind of getting out of the business. Son was looking to take it over, and just chatted them up and. Next thing I knew, they're showing me everything I needed to know, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. So, you know, don't be afraid to chat up the professionals on anything you're looking to try to fix up or do on your own. A lot of the time, they're more than willing to chat with you and, and talk to you about it because it's something they enjoy. And you know, who doesn't like talking about what they know about, right? Cool. Let's see, we got a question from Scott. Yeah, uh, yeah. He said, uh, "I tape a big clear garbage bag around the top section and have the brush inside. Catches all the crap as it falls." Yep. Yeah, it all works. Yeah. I mean, I have my shop vac outside the house and then run a, the, the the hose in. <laughs> so that way, if, if the filter doesn't quite have a good seal on it, as I vacuum it out, it just shoots outside anyways. But uh, yeah. yeah, whatever works. Yeah, it's a yeah, good I, point. I, be, be ready I, for a lot of dirt and ash to yeah. come out. Yeah, I do, I do exactly the same thing that, that Scott said there with mine. Mine's uh, the, the chimney just comes down and it connects right to the stove. So I just take the three screws out, slide the chimney up, put a plastic bag underneath it, go up top, scrub it down, and uh, everything falls into the, the paper bag or the plastic bag. And actually, it's it's a pretty clean way to do it. I don't get a lot of mess. I get some, but not a lot. Yeah, it's not like divorce dust when you're doing drywall or anything. It's uh, it's not nearly as bad anyway. <laughs> Easy to pick yeah, up, too. Yep, yeah. Yep. Just be prepared first time you do it. It's going to be messy. You're, you'll get a system eventually. But uh, yeah, the first couple of times you try to do it, it's you're going to get dust places, and it is what yeah. it is. 
at least your chimney's clean. Actually, Bane brings up a good point there. Um, he says you can use ash out of the fireplace to clean the win- uh, the window. Uh, he says just dip a wet rag oh. in the stove ash and. Well, look oh. at that. Look at that. Okay. The window's nice. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll try that next time it's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, not hot. <laughs> he also mentions uh, rocket stoves are good for cooking, but for heating, I wouldn't use them for more than that. More of an outdoor thing, I think. Um, it's not so much they don't work. And actually, if you, you go on YouTube, there's tons of the ones. They got these massive rocket stoves with all these convoluted pipings and stuff. And they have like super high efficiency and they work great. It's just too new of a... Actually, it's a very old idea, but it's too new of a, a concept for modern day building. I think so they just don't like it because they don't know what they're getting into. These, so the insurance companies just hate it. But... Yeah. Um, there's a lot of potential there for sure. They don't use any wood at all. Oh. And uh, Bane is correct. It is not a white t-shirt job. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> no. not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Scott asks, have you used stove polish to prevent rusting? Um, I, I think I actually had this conversation with Scott off, she offline as well. Um, because ours is running all winter, theoretically, as ten, a casual use, according to my insurance purposes, uh, but yeah, since it's running all winter, Thank it you. doesn't. Yeah, it it doesn't get a hot, uh, cold enough. Like it doesn't have the temperature swings where it goes up and down, and the house isn't so cold that it's creating condensation on it that we don't have any problems with rust because it's basically the hottest point in the house, and the air is hot and dry. So we generally don't have a problem with rust. And then come summertime here, it's ludicrously dry. We don't have rain between like April and October, like not a day. So. There's no point for the, no chance for this thing to rust on my end, so I've never used stove polish. But I think where the climate's a little more volatile, yeah, especially with the thunderstorms and stuff, I could see the the rust happening in a cottage or someplace where the stove isn't used every day. Absolutely. I, I don't have an issue with mine over the summer that that I have to use stove polish. I mean, I'm probably at some point going to have to change that chimney or uh, the single wall that goes up just from the stove. It's starting to show a couple little signs on the outside, but again, it's 20 years old, so. Yeah, I mean, after I think it doesn't owe you anything after if it's provided you 15 years of solid heat. After that, I think the bonus. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right. One thing the island mentor, uh, mentor mentioned to me too is that yeah, I think I've mentioned this before on the show. Don't get the one that they say is good for the square footage of your house. Get the biggest one you can. Yeah. Because <laughs> that way you can always burn more, but you can't burn. You know, like when you get when it's got a small stove and you want more heat, you can't add more wood. Yep. And uh, it's better to like uh, have it half full and, and in use than. With the option you to fill could, it up more. You could add more, but it would be beside the stove, and that's not where you want it. Yeah, no. So no. just get the biggest one you can, and yeah. or either a Ford or space-wise and with clearance around the walls and stuff. Just yeah. go big or go home with this stuff. So yeah, yeah it's it's gonna be something you're gonna use for many, many, many years. So throw a couple of bucks at it now and it'll pay for itself down the road, like we said at the beginning of the show. So Ian touched on a few things, but I'll, I'll touch on a few from my experience of, of having the stove for so long. Um, basically, when you're done for the season, clean your chimney. Don't wait till the fall. A um, couple reasons. A, like Ian said, it's tough to sometimes find people to do it. And if you wait till the fall when the other 90% of the people with the stove are wanting to get it done, you may be waiting a long time. Uh, creosote is acidic, so you shouldn't let it sit in your chimney all summer. It really isn't that great for it. Once you clean it, inspect your chimney for any damage. Um, ice could have fallen off of a, of a tree branch or something or um, anything like that. Uh, ensure that where it comes into the house, it's sealed well. Nothing's dried out. 
uh, again, no damage. Um, it's amazing what little critters, what little space they need to get in. Um, so, and then, um, like Ian said, uh, the fire bricks, I checked the interior of your stove for any cracked or damaged fire bricks. Uh, and we place them, obviously, ensure that all your door and glass gaskets are in good shape. Uh, every two or three years, I remove all my fire bricks and inspect them. I have found one that was cracked on the backside. So, um, and that allows you also to just look at your firebox, make sure that, again, there's no rust in behind the fire bricks, no cracks, no anything like that. Um, just touching on the wood itself. I know we're talking about wood stove maintenance, but I want to touch on the wood itself. Uh, again, um, if you're using properly dried and seasoned wood, uh, creosote won't be or shouldn't be a huge problem. Um, dry it properly. Like I said, don't just drop it on the ground and cover it with a tarp. Put it, um, I should have taken pictures of my, um, my wood shed. Basically all it is is it's a lean-to um, and it's open on all sides. Make sure that you, it, it can get a little bit of sun. It doesn't have to get a lot, but the really big thing is be open to the, to the wind or to the, to the breeze. Have it open so that that goes through, that'll dry it out uh, fast. Again, if you drop it on the ground, it's just going to suck up the moisture from the ground and you're going to have shitty wood. Um, if you're cutting your own trees and doing anything, you really should have them on the ground now. Uh, it's best to cut them or at least get them down while they're dormant. If you wait till the sap is running, it's going to take longer to season your wood. So good point. Um, do a little bit of effort in the winter if you can, or, or in the fall, leave it sitting there. It doesn't matter, but it should be, it should be down again. Like I say, when it's dormant before the sap runs and that'll make sure that it's, uh, it's properly seasoned for you and you don't run into wet wood issues. So actually the trick around here, the guys use because the ground is so wet, they'll actually like just chainsaw in the, the top inch all the way around because they're bigger trees. Right. Um, but that's actually the live part of the tree that, that transports the sap in the water. So if they actually chain, so uh, the first inch all the way around the tree, it can start on the vine, so to speak, and they can knock down the tree later. And it's, it's been drying out the mm -hmm. whole time. So oh, really? Okay. That's, uh, that's something cool. they, So they'll do that in the middle of winter, and uh, yeah, it's just when we don't have to knock it down down then, but it's still stopped getting moisture at that point. Okay. Neat Never try. heard of that before, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll buy it. I'll Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it seems to work, then, you know, yeah. there's always, always new ways to learn things, so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's basically all I've got. Um, like like and like like all uh, Eric and, and Ian have said, if you uh, if you do your your little bit of maintenance, it's not a lot, it's not hard, it's dirty, but it doesn't take a long time. You will reap the benefits long, long, long down the road. It's like a car; if you just drive it until the oil light comes on, good luck. So you know, do your maintenance, um, do it properly, and take a few minutes. Like I say, check for you know any damage. I mean, might. Like my chimney goes straight up and through my roof, so I always check the the top plate on it, make sure that it's the the sealant's all there. It does dry out every couple of years. I gotta reseal it, and um, and I've never had an issue. I've never had any water intrusion or any any issues. Yeah. So, 
say the, the main thing is if you're, uh, you know, learn how your stove works, learn how to maintain it. If you're not 100% sure how to do it, call someone that knows and then ask a bunch of questions yep. and go from there. But don't just set it up, burn wood and think that you're fine. And oh yeah, yeah, the, the heat will just burn everything else out and I don't have to do anything else. It's There is definitely some maintenance to these devices that, uh, that you need to, to keep up on. Um, and I will just throw in there again, because I know it'll make Alan happy. Uh, carbon monoxide poisoning is a thing. So, yeah. So watch out for that. Check your batteries. You're welcome, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think we've checked off all the boxes for this topic. It's, uh, it's an important one. It's one that people uh, ask about quite often. And uh, so hopefully we've helped a few people out. Shall we move into the podcast challenge? And and, and one one thing that so. just to quickly add before we yeah, take sure. is, um, don't and I think I got mentioned on last show. Don't just burn anything. Don't just find old laminate flooring laying around and decide, oh, it's wood. I'm going to burn it. Burn proper firewood. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't good just, point. We didn't we didn't touch on that. Good point. Yeah, don't just burn anything. Burn proper seasoned dried firewood yeah well unless the police are knocking at the door then you got to burn all those papers quickly right you know, <laughs> uh, you know. there's a time and place to burn other things but for yeah, the most yeah, part yeah for the most part well as long as yeah, they run them through the season. shredder first then you try and burn well, yeah. them yeah yeah exactly yeah. anyway uh yeah so your podcast challenge to take steps and get a supplies to perform maintenance on any backup heat supply you may have so um yeah whether it be just a yeah. brush and some spray foam or whatever just uh gather it up now can't hurt to have it Exactly. So, uh, upcoming events is blank as it has been for the last quite a while, unfortunately. But Week 53 of uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. You got it. Curve's still not flat, so our upcoming events is empty. Uh, deal of the week. All right. So, uh, Rangeview Sports advertised a semi-automatic 22 long rifle rifle, uh, which is a Savage 64 made in Lakefield, Ontario. Uh, probably one of the oldest 22 designs still in production, and it's on sale for $169 right now, which is insane. What are you cheap. doing to me? What yeah, are you doing to me? It's, hey, be patriotic, buy local, support Ontario businesses. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, that's a good deal. So, mm. notes well, I know what I'm there. doing after the show. Links in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's move into some shout outs. So I've got a quick uh, shout out to all the Patreons for the show. Much appreciate everybody supporting us. We've actually been able to renew the hosting for another year um, off of all of your contributions. So uh, much appreciated. All right. I got one for uh, Will at Bilazir Fine Shotguns, which is uh, tough to say. I guess easy to find. Uh, he was the one that... Tell me the spare parts for the show. And he's a gentleman farmer in Alberta, as well as a shotgun press and reloading supply dealer. So interesting cat. And I just want to say thanks for the quick service. Your pigeons hate you today, Ian. We got oh, really? uh, Will and something about shotguns and service. Awesome. Well, Will yeah. Bill, Bill is here, fine shotguns, and he's got reloading press and shotgun reloading parts. There we go. Perfect. There we go. Pigeons worked that time. Oh, and it was so classy and well-spoken the first time. Yeah, <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> anyway, whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we move into uh, email and iTunes reviews? You've got All right. One, I, uh, 
I got one from uh, Imogen Official Seven. It says, "You are amazing, Eric." So I have to wow. ask: Did you send yourself a comment? We now know my <laughs> username on uh, YouTube. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I did I, not send that in, but uh, I appreciate the comment. All right, you have a fan. Look at that! Oh, well, oh, well. Cool. All right, so we've got uh, an email here from John. So it reads, Hey there, Ian. I was just listening to the podcast uh, on using lead and thought that I would mention a few ideas to you that I use to find uh, a fair bit of lead. So it, it only costs me some coffee and donuts. Oh, there you go. That's all right. Uh, one place is from old buildings that have cast iron uh, drainage piping in them. Good point. Uh, and every joint that uh, piping has a lead cap over, uh, over the oakum. So, yeah, All right. yeah, good point. Uh, you can contact whoever is doing the demo work or the plumber uh, to pick through the dumpster after they have thrown it out. Uh, there's roughly half pound ring of lead in each joint. Uh, also, if you know any people that install new roofs on houses, they usually use lead finishing around the chimneys and other objects, which a lot of times they will rip out and throw away to install a new waterproof seal uh, with uh, a new roof. Uh, anyway, I hope this works for you. Uh, as I know, I have gotten hundreds of pounds of lead this way. Uh, best wishes to a fellow scrounger, and thanks for all the work on the podcast. And that's from John in Nova Scotia. Yeah, I never actually. I've never seen cast iron drainage cast iron drainage pipe before. Yeah, but I guess the thing. I guess there is a. I was talking to a buddy. Yeah. There's totally a lead seal around it, but in older buildings, that that was the way they did it, right? Yeah. So. So that's a good same thing point. with leaded glass. If you have stained glass or the old style windows, they have lead lead seals around each pane of glass. There's all that too. Or that's even really point. old buildings actually had lead piping. Yeah. Geez, that'd be horrible. I hope it's drainage pipe, not water supply. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the Romans. Well, they said that's what yeah. caused part of the Roman collapse was the uh, lead piping in the water supply pipes. So yeah. Well, no, appreciate that, John. Thanks for the the tips. So for uh, all the metal scroungers out there, the lead scroungers out there, you got some more spots to look now. Cool. All right. Well, with that, I will bring episode one hundred and nine of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. It helps other people find us. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Pepper Podcast. Click on the notifications tab, and that gives you an alert when we are going live. All right. Okay, so you can reach Ian directly by gmail.com. There he is. Oh, am I back? Yeah, so he's you're kind of back. Okay, yeah. uh, so if uh, Ian's just, pigeons just decide to Make work, that mouse run faster. <laughs> on the days that Ian's pigeons actually work and he has reliable internet, you can get him at uh, the Western Retreat at gmail.com and on Gab at West that the Western Retreat uh, and in the group Self Reliance and Homesteading Canada. You can also find uh, Ian on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube, again, if his internet decides to work on Monday night at 9 uh, p.m. Uh, you will find uh, them discussing why government waste in society has him using off-grid heat and no internet. So, uh, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear. 
can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning.